take, I'll take responsibility for my stuff. May I also take responsibility for your stuff? And he says, oh, yes, please. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. How many times do I have to go through this in my life, even though it's the same freaking story over and over? Why again, again? Why did he, why didn't he try? Why didn't he care? The depth of dysfunction. Like, who would expect a kid to do that? Oh my God. And I've told this story before. I've told this story before and never have I allowed myself the depth of, oh my God, that is not okay. Oh my God, that is so fucked up. Imagine you're a 55-year-old businesswoman, very successful, very beautiful, very dynamic, you're well-loved by everyone around you, and yet, for some reason, when it comes to your romantic relationships, you keep attracting narcissistic men. Men who are self-absorbed, who don't show up as much as you do in the relationship. And even when you ask for equal support, you still don't get it. This is the situation in which Jennifer has found herself over and over and over again. And it's why she volunteered to do this drawing out process session for the podcast. She's done so much inner work on herself. And you'll hear her later on say, I've done all this inner child work. And yet it's like she just can't figure out why she keeps attracting the same kinds of men and ending up in the same kinds of relationships. So this is the mystery that we're here to solve today in Dark Light Truth. Listen closely as we dive into Jennifer's darkness and reclaim the light and truth that's been hiding there for decades, contributing to this pattern from, as we will eventually discover, behind her skirt. So I said, so after all this time and working on myself, I still end up because my trauma bond in relationship with a narcissist, because of course I would. Wait, you're single? <laughs> Let me do everything. Let me let me love you. I just I just want to love you. Yeah. I'll take responsibility for my stuff. May I also may I also take responsibility for your stuff? No. And he says, Oh yes, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Can I throw more love at you that you're not accepting or appreciating? Just to prove how <laughs> But then I'm like, you know, we're old enough that if everyone's like working a program and he's working on his stuff and I'm working on my stuff, then we could make this thing work, right? But when you're when I realize, oh wait, I'm helping him remodel his house. I'm helping him with his depression. I'm helping him with all this stuff. And in the meantime, I have things happening. And so I'm looking at this like some future investment and I'm like, I'm so, per we're so perfect together. I'm so perfect, why aren't you, I'm the perfect match for you. Wait, what's the question I'm not asking? What's the question? Oh wait, are you the good match for me? What? <laughs> Wait, no, why am I not like over the moon like I was? Why am I why am I not feeling like He's fortified? Why am I feeling a little eggshells? I'm like And once you're not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I bring a lot of love to a relationship. I'd like someone to bring some of that to me. We show up for each other equally. His way may be a little different, but it's not something I have to work so freaking hard to identify that it I mean, I'm happy to learn a love language, but I also 
don't want it. I, I just want to know it and feel it and have an absolute certainty that that's foundational no matter what crappy days we have or issues come up, that there's the foundation of love that I don't have to doubt it, perform for it, wonder if I'm too much or too little for it. I just want that to be a foundational experience, that person's love for me. I don't want fission. I want fusion. Like, because energy of two people who are manifesting and working themselves at the deepest level when they come together in relationship, like could light the universe, you know? I also don't have time to fuck around. If I yeah. want to do my best in this life and be my best in this life, whether it's with a partner or without a partner, because I've not experienced, I'm this loving person, I've not experienced that kind of love. What, who, what, who miswired me when I came out? I know their names, <laughs> but I'm still unwiring <laughs> that, right? So I'm 55. Yeah. I don't want to fuck around. I've been working yeah. hard on this. I'm really open to working the things that are still lurking. I, yeah. I, I want them to not have that power anymore. Clearly, Jennifer has a very clear idea of what her pattern is. She just doesn't know how to fix it. And she's so freaking frustrated and tired and done with it. So I ask her to talk about how it feels being in that kind of relationship with that kind of man. And here's the image that she comes up with and draws. It's like I keep throwing love into a black hole. And I don't yeah. get anything back, so I just throw more in. It's a really yep. great example. Okay. Oh, and there's right, an image is... for me right there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, lady. You got it. I was just going to say. Yes, yes. Tell me about the image or start drawing it, whatever you feel like. It's Throwing a, black, it's a, a black, black hole. I mean, it is. It just keeps circling the drain. And here I am. Like, oh, here I am throwing throwing hearts into it I'm just throwing more and more hearts I'm just throwing them in and throwing them in and throwing them in and they just keep disappearing and disappearing and disappearing and then they go down into there and they get X'd out and they go down into there into there into that black hole and into that black hole and they just get X'd out so there's like these hearts that are beautiful and pink and healthy and fat and sassy and I'm just throwing them in and throwing them in and they just swirl down this black hole and then I can kind of see through the black hole a little bit to see that once it goes through there I can I can see these hearts just they're just disintegrating and so to me they have X's across them like you know like you know mm -hmm. cartoon dead eyes right so they all this love goes in there and it just gets X'd out disintegrated squeezed out disappeared you know so the energy of that just literally is eclipsed literally disappears, literally dissipates. And so what do I do? I just throw some more happy, happy, big, healthy hearts in there. And actually I just added something. I wrote the word more three times with question mark, like more, 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 like, do you need more? How about this? How about this? What about that? Is this enough? Is this enough? Like feeding a gaping maw with precious, precious stuff. I see the big, happy, healthy, juicy 
hearts just bursting with all kinds of goodness and juicy goodness that is from me and channeled through the universe because I have this superpower to not be tired in giving energy. It soaks in from everywhere and then it can go through me. I mean, yeah, do I get tired sometimes? But yeah, but not from being a loving person and exuding that and sharing that with people. But then I feel shame, like so much shame that I am taking all of this and on some level can see it and I just keep throwing it in. I just keep doing it. And then when this last relationship broke and he showed me so clearly, it was so embarrassing. I mean, of course I believed because there was amazingness, but there were little teeny, teeny pieces where I wasn't receiving back. And I really believed that, that it was because of some circumstances in that person's life, but that's not true. And I ignored. So people say, oh, you have to watch for the red flags. Well, they're not red flags. They're little pink, pretty little pink things that just sort of flutter in the wind, like all the other pretty little things that are floating in the wind, the ones that are love and fun and happy. There's a the little pink one. And over time it gets redder and redder and you don't notice because it's not red at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love this metaphor that Jennifer uses of pink flags, you know, playing on this idea of red flags and seeing the red flags in a relationship in order to recognize that, whoa, this is not healthy for you. But to her, she doesn't see them as red. She only sees them as pink until essentially it's too late. It's kind of like that boiling frog syndrome, right? The frog doesn't know it's boiling to death until it's too late. And so that's what she keeps ending up with in these relationships because she just doesn't recognize those red flags as red flags. Because of the inner work Jennifer has done over the years, she's actually identified the source of this pattern. It comes from someone very particular in her life. So let's listen as she describes exactly where this pattern of relationships and behaviors came from. This is absolutely father stuff. Absolutely, 100%, and actually my mom a bit. Yeah, I grew up in an environment where I was very much loved, but on, on, on my father's side in particular is quite punitive and quite absent. And so, and that's the narcissist parent, the trauma bond of a child with the narcissistic parent. Just the thing that still got me is this sort of carrot and stick kind of love where a person withholds love and I am somewhat performative and even anticipates somebody else's needs, which is, you know, a child of a narcissist um, and not expecting it back or working, feeling like I have to work for it, literally to perform for it. Like the love is there if I do such and such just right, because I don't feel I'm lovable. I feel there's much of me that has to perform it in order to earn it. So I'm performing like doing tricks for love and then I don't recognize when love is performative just to keep me hooked because that's the narcissist's job mm. is to continue to keep you in that space of just slightly unsettled, just unsettled, off the footing, unsettled. Yep. And it's like begging. Yes. 
So then I can build resentment and hurt. And then that's when I become my not best person. Passive, aggressive, and controlling. And then aggressively giving, which is a weird thing. <laughs> my mom does that. Aggressive, yes. yeah. aggressive giving. Because I'm in the passive aggressive resentment, I'm like, okay, well, how about this? So I'm throwing the hearts in and now I'm resentful about the hearts I'm throwing in. So I just throw in more. Like, is this enough? Like, what do I have to do to get a reaction from you? What do I have to do? Okay, fine. Here's more. Here's more. Here's more. Here's more. Yeah. And behind that is fear and pain and hurt. And that's then the hopelessness, like, what have I done again kind of thing. And then I don't do as much stuff because now I'm like, wait, this is so imbalanced. And then with a narcissist, rather than being like, oh, what needs to happen here? They're like, oh, you're not doing for me anymore. Rather than, oh yeah, right, right, this is pretty imbalanced. Let me do, oh shoot, I need to fill your tank a little bit. Sorry, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, why aren't you the way you were? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so then I feel bad expecting love in return, exactly. So like, yeah, and then I'm raw and I look weak. And that doesn't suit me because I'm very strong and independent. These big bursts of power where I finally reach the point where, oh, done, rock bottom, done. Absolutely, nothing's to change. There's nothing I can do. It has to get to that point often before I step away. And then they're still always surprised. That's the narcissistic and trauma bond uh, pattern. Wow, Jennifer basically just gave us a masterclass in the cycles of emotions and behaviors that victims of narcissistic abuse can go through in relation to the narcissist. And that it all starts with this, as she describes it, carrot and stick interaction that hooks her in. So again, we're hearing that Jennifer is very clear about her own pattern, but we still need to figure out what's the part of her that's contributing to that? Or what's the part of her that's ready to heal that can actually help her break out of that? As it turns out, it's a part of Jennifer that she's worked with many times before. And yet, much to her frustration, it still isn't healed. But listen as she discovers brand new things about this part of her that she thought she knew so well. The part of you that keeps doing that, the part of you that feels so anxious, I'm just wondering if that's the part we need to work with is that's so anxious and feels like it has to perform and it's not lovable. It has to prove, but it still never gets what it needs. Well, it's the whole little inner child deal. I mean, it's kind of pretty straightforward, but it trickles up and through and weaves through all of the others. It feels so trite. Ah, again, this is embarrassing too, because I've done so much work on this, but like this strong woman that I am, right? I have this little inner child that's still sort of begging for scraps from the table of, of parental love or specifically, uh, you know, paternal love. Yeah. How many times do I have to go through this in my life, even though it's the same freaking story over and over? Why? Yes. Again, again. yes. And I run into this a lot, to be honest. So if it makes you feel any better, this happens a lot where like 
someone will come and they'll say, but I've already dealt with this. I've already dealt with this, you know, but it's my inner child again. Oh my God, I'm so fucking sick of this inner child. Yeah. Okay. Maybe dialogued with that inner child or maybe journaled or maybe therapy. And we talked about it and stuff, but it, that inner child is still carrying those wounds. In other words, the work that's been done has been great in terms of uncovering that child, et cetera, but it's still carrying the wounds. It hasn't been healed. She feels like she did something wrong, like she's being scolded, like she's going to get scolded, like she did something okay. wrong and she's going to get scolded. Very interesting. I did not expect that. <laughs> Great. This is this. See, this is music to my ears. I'm like, exactly. Good. We're on the right path. You're like, why, I was she, expecting like that. why is she holding back? Like, why is she holding back? It's because she thinks she did something wrong. Okay. Write that down. She's a little bit, a little bit behind me and she's kind of got her head down a little bit. She, she knows, you know, she should be stepping forward. She can hear you and she can answer you, but there's a piece of her is just sort of okay. waiting yeah, a little bit hiding in my skirts yep. kind of thing. Well, finger in the mouth, kind of looking, kind of fidgeting yeah. and right, right next to me, not behind me or anything next to me. She's fine. She's just getting more confident by the moment. She's sort of looking side. She's side eyeing her way toward us okay. here. Yeah, that's what, that's like, why are you calling me? Did yeah. I do something wrong? No, we're not mad. I'm not mad at her. Are you mad at her? But that, that's, that's my automatic response to a lot of things. Did I do it? Yeah. Did I do something wrong? Yeah. Did I do something wrong? What did I do wrong? I do that in relationship and I, you know, she's doing that for uh -huh. the same reason. Yes. What's her name? You can ask her. I think she's just me. I mean, she's Jenna. She's just me. Okay. My family name. Okay. Jenna. All right. Yeah. The main yeah, thing is. My family, okay. my family name is Jenna. My father didn't call me Jenna. Um, but that was my family name for me is Jenna. And she feels like Jenna. Jenna on one side of the family. On the more safe side of the family, I was Jenna. So now that we've identified that it's a little girl named Jenna inside of her with whom we need to speak, I ask Jennifer if it's okay to speak to her, and she says yes. So Jennifer is awake and aware through my whole conversation with Jenna. At first, Jenna sounds very halting because, of course, as Jennifer said, she's afraid she's going to get in trouble. But, you know, as we hear more about the way her father treated her, we'll understand why she feels this way this particular conversation kind of about my father and how he acts and stuff that i don't know how to talk about this exactly so i want a little more security so what is it that scares you about this conversation are you afraid you're going to say something or get in trouble or what like I have to, even though I'm little, I have to do things to earn my place. Like I'm little and I didn't ask to be born and I didn't ask for you guys to get divorced and I'm sorry I cost you money, child support. And I know you tell me about it all the time, about how you pay it as if it's my fault and that I have to make up for it. 
I have to make up for it by being perfect. Mm, knowing what mood you're going to be in. When you scare me and don't take care of me, that it's my fault. That I love you so much, I adore you, you're my father, and I love you so much, but I don't realize that the way you act toward me is not nice. That I don't know what it feels like to be loved by my father in a way that other girls do. I feel like I have to earn. I have to act. I have to do different. I have to... All the things that you're insecure about that my father's insecure about or my fault. It's my fault. I did something. It's like I did something wrong. So I try to take care of myself and I try to just be more perfect. But but sometimes it's scary and I don't know what to do. Aww. And you don't help. But I'm just your kid. And I didn't ask for you to have me. It's not my fault grown-ups have to pay money for stuff. Never really knowing that just being alive would be enough reason for your parents to love you. I mean, my mom loved me tons, but with him it was different. I think he loves me. I guess I don't know what love's supposed to look like. Because he loves me, but it didn't feel good. And so I think that's why grown-up Jennifer isn't sure what it's supposed to feel like to be looked out for, protected, and cared for by a man because she didn't see what it looked like mm. and wrapped up in how much you hate my mom Aww. because you used me to hurt her. Oh, yeah. 100% that happened all the time. But why I focus on wanting love from him in a certain way, I don't know why that sticks. Mm. If I do the right thing, I would be. Mm. If I do the right thing, I would be. And what were some of the right things, quote unquote? I don't know. I wasn't told. I just had to keep trying a whole lot of different things. Ah. So you I don't know. I see. So there wasn't even like a clear formula for trying to make him happy or trying to get him to love you or get positive response from him. It was unpredictable. And when I was a little older in summers, I would clean the house. I would do all of these things and hoping that that was good. Like I felt like I needed to um, justify me my room and board because he was paying child support and that child support went to my mom when I was with him in the summers and so I felt like I had to justify the cost of me oh. so I clean all the way up to my teenage years I clean and do all kind of things but I wouldn't get an allowance or anything or any spending money because you sent money to my mom and I couldn't, I didn't know what it was that I was supposed to do. Mm. I didn't know what it would take. It was like I didn't even do it at all. Sometimes it wasn't enough, but it wasn't, it was almost like it didn't even do it at all. Oh. Like it was just expected and it was done, but it wasn't, it just, there was no, 
there's no feedback, just absence. Like it was moving all the time. There's like a moving line. Like just had to be constant trying to figure it out. It was a moving target, I guess. Yeah. It was so fundamental that there wasn't anything I could do. There wasn't anything I could do that would be enough. And yet he got praise for me all the time. Mm. While he was putting me down, he was getting praise for me, left and right. Mm. So, yeah, using me for what I brought. And then, and I loved him so much. And he did things to show me he loved me and emotionally would knock me down. He would go do these things, which was all wonderful and helped make me the adventurous person that I am. And the whole time undermining my sense of worth and self-esteem. <laughs> Sorry, it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, but see, look at all the things that I do for you. Look at all the things I do for you. Look, I take you to this camp and I do this and I do that. Yep. Why would you be mad at me? Don't you see what I do for you? Yep. You should be grateful. What Jenna describes here is having a father who was so incredibly inconsistent, unpredictable, denigrating, gaslighting, shaming, ignoring. I mean, just add all kinds of adjectives to the way her father treated her. No wonder Jenna feels so insecure and so unsure of what to expect. And also notice how at the same time he was putting her down, he was taking the praise from others about what a wonderful little girl she was. This is classic, classic narcissistic parent stuff. At one point, Jenna shares that she would have to go on dates with her father, but she was always treated like she was in the way, which leads her to share a very specific, very painful memory from one of those dates. He had a date when I was little, three. I had to go to this place where he had a date. And I had to go to the bathroom. And because I'm a big girl, I know how to go and ask for where the restroom is, mm -hmm. right? And I was adorable. So everyone be like, oh, sweetheart, you're so cute. Here. Anyway, so I went to the bathroom and there was blue stuff in the toilet. And I tinkled and it splashed on me and it was toilet cleaner and it burned. Ooh. And it hurt so bad. And I came out of the bathroom and I had tears and I didn't want to cry out loud because... I didn't want to be a problem because he had a person there he was talking to and I'm sitting there and I've got tears in my eyes and he's ignoring me and um, and I was embarrassed because how do you say that and then the waitress came running over to the table and said oh my god I didn't get there in time oh my god I had stuff she oh my gosh this is, she just she told him what happened and here now it's a problem because he's on this date and I'm in pain. I'm in so much pain and I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be a good girl. I'm trying to be a good girl. And it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. I'm in so much pain. It burns so bad. And this waitress, I remember, she was not happy with him. All I knew was that I was messing up daddy's 
time with this lady. Mm. And that I was hurting so bad, but that wasn't enough. Yeah. I mean, sure, he had no idea. He had no concept, I'm pretty sure. But I wasn't a kid who fussed. I was not a child who fussed. So then he was mad, and then we had to go home, and I'm hurting, and I'm crying. And he puts me in the bathroom to take a bath, but he can't help me because it's too uncomfortable for him to be around a little girl because he didn't do anything with that. And so he just let me in there. And that's not how you get, that's not how you get lie off of your tiny little parts. You need help. So I was in the bathtub. I had to do, take care of myself and it just hurt, hurt for a long time. I burnt, it burned me. Oh, sweetie. Yeah, so I learned that my pain and my, like, for real, that that is a huge incident. My actual pain and suffering, my for real, like, could have been a broken arm, right? My for real pain and suffering was not something he could connect with, and it was a problem that other people saw that had compassion, but people... I mean, what could that lady do? Make him take me home? And I think the waitress finally kept impressing upon him because I'm sitting there trying not to cry and I have tears and it hurts and I'm sitting there trying to be good while he's talking to this lady and he's just mad at me. He's mad at me. And then I have to do it myself. I have to take care of myself. I have to do it myself. And of course I can't call my mom. He won't let me call mommy. Oh. And so he just puts me in there mad and shuts the door. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. I mean, talk about not being able to rely on somebody and then learning to just take care of yourself later. Yeah. How am I supposed to take care of my... How am I supposed to know what to do? Oh, so at the little age of three... Poor Jenna learned that her pain didn't matter and that if she was in pain, she had to take care of it herself because her own father wouldn't help take care of her. Wow, talk about the deep beliefs that form inside of a child when they have that kind of experience. So no wonder, I mean, are you starting to see the connection here then? why adult Jenna would have this deep core belief that she doesn't really matter in relationships because that's exactly what she learned very early on from the primary male relationship in her life. As we're about to hear, being able to share this story has helped Jenna see that the way her father behaved was not okay. But it also is bringing up all these questions inside of her you'll hear her really grappling with why and how his behavior degraded her own sense of lovability and self-worth. How are you feeling? I'm just curious now that you've shared these things. How are you feeling? I feel like I'm not fidgety in the skirts. I feel like it's more clear that what he did wasn't appropriate. 
was an appropriate level of behavior toward a little girl. Yeah. It wasn't appropriate to lay that anger and resentment against other people onto me. It wasn't fair to not try to figure it out, to care about me enough to try to figure something out. He didn't care enough to try to figure out what was happening when I was hurting like that. And he was just angry at me. It's his insecurity, but why didn't he why didn't he try? Why did he act mad at me? Why did I feel like I was being punished? Why why did he why didn't he try? Why didn't he care? Yeah, just not lovable. And sometimes I feel like if he's my father and he knows me but he doesn't love me, then there mu he must know something more than I do because he's the grown-up. There must be a reason why he doesn't love me. There's there must, must be. Must be he a must reason. There's the got to be a reason. Yep. Yep. Well, be there must be something that I'm doing, something I am. He must know the reason. There must be some makes it real. It made it real. Well, because it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Uh, Jenna, it's understandable that you would be trying to figure it out. Well, 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 there must be a reason. So, you know, maybe he knows the reason because why else would someone behave this way, you know, towards a little girl who's so cute and so loving and so lovable and so wonderful and just trying so hard to be a great kid and, and a loving person. So it's understandable that you'd struggle with this. Yes. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. Crazy. It is crazy. And it's painful because it sounds like you've been really blaming and shaming yourself for a long time and wondering what you did. Yes, wrong. absolutely. Yeah. I know it's really hard. It's not your fault, sweetie. It's not your fault. So now that we've uncovered this deep core memory that led to a deep core wound inside of Jennifer, it's time to find out from Jenna how she can take this newfound wisdom and use it to help Jennifer in her relationships going forward. She's got some pretty great ideas. And little Jenna, me, wants to, to remember those things that felt uncomfortable and unhappy and remind Big Jen that those are not normal that when I feel, when she feels frustrated or hurt or uncertain, when someone's supposed to love her, that it's not normal to feel hurt, frustrated, angry, and uncertain and bad about herself. Yes. To separate that feeling from normal, the concept of normal, uh, and to feel it in her body when her mind and her brain won't register. Remember what I felt like that I had to make normal, but it's not. Yes. It never should be normal. Yes, yes. You can be a big part of this for Big Jen. You could be the one to be like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Pay attention. Tug on that skirt. Tug yeah. on that skirt. Hey. Yeah. 
Hey, from my perspective, way down here, I'm noticing yeah. something that you're not. No, seriously. I mean, that's the cool thing about you, yeah. little Jen, or Jenna, is that yeah, it's like you. Yeah. I'm like observing. I'm observing because I soaked yes. it all in. I soaked it all in. So I'm going to soak it all in so still. Say, hey, tug, tug. Um, hello. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, there is a bit of empowerment where things happen and I can just, in, just nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. You know, you run into another guy pink thinking flags, about pink flags, pink flags. Yeah, and you can just, you know, that could be something that you're like, uh, Jen, hey, Big Jen. Yeah. You know, listen to your um, gut. And listen to your gut, Big Jen, because that's where you know. That's in your your body knows where these feelings are. Nope. Nope. Let that be my nope. mantra. Nope. Yeah. Just, nope. You know, and you don't have to justify, you don't have to rationalize, you don't have to get angry that that person is the way they are. They're just the way they are, and you're choosing differently. Nope. Yeah, let someone else do a little bit of their work and see how they show up. Yeah. I love what Jenna says about separating those feelings of discomfort from this concept of normal, that it's not normal to feel those ways in relationship. And when you can make that distinction, that's when those pink flags can start to be recognized as red flags. This is not okay to feel this way in a relationship. Or if I'm feeling this way, this means that something is off balance, something is wrong, I'm not being treated well enough, whatever it happens to be. And the thing is, that's often why we end up in these relationship patterns, because of the confused ideas we were given about what love is or what's okay or not okay in a relationship. That because we had to adapt as children to certain conditions that we just couldn't control, we unconsciously end up thinking those things are normal or we experience them as familiar. But just because they're familiar does not mean they're okay, does not mean they're healthy for us. So now that Jenna understands and fully honors the fact that the way she was treated was not okay, she'll be better able to help Jennifer recognize it when Jennifer experiences it in relationships. And Jenna will be able to help big Jennifer with setting boundaries and making different more empowering and loving choices for herself. So now that we've heard what we needed to hear from Jenna, it's time to go back to talking to Jennifer. Let's hear what she thought of the conversation with Jenna and what kind of revelations she had. There were a couple Mm -hmm. points that were really quite different for me. And like just the depth of dysfunction function around that experience when we were at the restaurant and he was on the date and that happened and just the depth of dysfunction and the impact of being in actual pain yes and a child at an age i must have been four in who would expect Who would, who would expect like a kid to do that? Right. 
No, it's unconscionable. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, and it also was all about his sexuality and stuff, like being freaked out by a four-year-old girl. I mean, seriously. Mm. And not being willing to call my mother or find anything, figure anything out. I mean, the depth of dysfunction around a young man with no emotional intelligence, incredibly sensitive person, and to be embarrassed and not know what to do, and to make it a punishing experience for the child, for a little girl, especially because it was on my private parts, because it slammed on a potty and it splashed me, that is a whole other layer of about my own femininity, even though I was four, but that's a whole, like, why do I get locked in a bathroom because of that? If it was on my arm, I wouldn't have been locked in a bathroom. So there's layers. I'm just, that one incident, for example, just realizing the depth of that. Oh my God. And I've told this story before. I've told this story before and never have I allowed myself the depth of, oh my God, that is not okay. Oh my God. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Remember at the beginning of our session that Jennifer said she'd already done a ton of inner child work and she was kind of frustrated, like, oh my God, you know, will this ever end? I I don't want to have to deal with this child again. And yet look at what we were able to discover through the drawing out process, through actually having her draw out that little girl and me have a conversation with it and ask it certain questions so that this little girl could finally fully give her side of the story, share her feelings and her truth, have incredible realizations about the horrors that she went through but also be able to provide Jennifer with incredible wisdom that's gonna help her going forward. So even though Jennifer says, you know, I've already done inner child work and I've already told this story so many times, there was still more within that child that needed to be heard and validated and valued. So now that we were able to do this for little Jenna, has she finally, finally healed? Let's find out. So let's take a moment then to look at where is she right now? What is she doing? Where do you see her? Um, oh, right now she's sitting on a wall in a park, just um, eating some ice cream and swinging her legs. Okay. What kind of ice cream do I want? I'll just ah, I love it. We're going to do strawberry because it's the color of the delicious little hearts that I had before. Oh, I love it. Okay, got the green eyes going. Okay. Oh, that's a terrible color, and I look a little bit like a lizard, but... Actually, the way I drew her, she looks a little bit like a bodybuilder, but I think... (laughs) (laughs) She's man, she, she's man spreading a bit. I don't know what the deal is, but that's okay. Now I got to just draw the wall that she's sitting on. Very cute little brick wall. Oh, I think she's going to be holding a flower in the other hand here. Got an ice cream cone. Maybe a tiny little drip here and give her a little teeny tiny drip because then that means she's going to have to eat it really fast because 
that's why, you know, when it starts melting, you have to lick it really fast. I like my ice creams frozen super, super hard. I don't like them when it's drippy, so you got to <gasps> lick all the drippy stuff off, and then so it has still, you can bite into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll share your <laughs> ice cream. No. No, you will not. Nope. That's <laughs> nope. Nope. You will not share my ice cream. Nope. She's funny. She's got some attitude. I love it. Yeah. She I'm knows what sure. she wants. And she's got some hearts around her head here. Aww. Her ice cream and her flower. And she's just hanging out, looking at stuff. She doesn't really need a grown up right now. She's just doing just fine here. Okay. She's drawn. Good. And she seems happy. Yeah. She's really happy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Good. You know what I'm going to write? I'm writing on it. Ice cream, yes. Bullshit, nope. Yes! <laughs> Ice cream, yes, yes, hell yes. Bullshit, nope, nope, fucking nope. <laughs> yes! I love it! Yes. Nope, fucking nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Got it. Okay, what do you think? Does Jetta sound healed to you or what? Remember the beginning, she started off behind Jennifer's skirts, afraid to speak, afraid she would get in trouble. Does this girl sound like she's afraid she's gonna get in trouble? And by the way, I think that would be a great mantra in life. Ice cream, yes, bullshit, nope. Nope, nope, fucking nope. <laughs> Feel free to take that one with you. So, even if it seems fully healed, I always like to take that part through the rest of the drawing out process. So I invite Jennifer to thank Jenna for showing up today. And here's what Jenna said. How did she react to that? She licked her ice cream, rolled her eyes and kicked her little heels on against the brick wall. Like, <laughs> duh, duh. <laughs> so she's like, uh, duh, hello. <laughs> I, oh my God, I love her so much. I love you, Jenna. You rock. Well, it's saying, I'm writing on here, I am Jenna. Yay, Aww. heart exclamation points. I am Jenna. Clearly, Jenna's old insecurities are gone. Her feeling of unlovability, her insecurity, her lack of confidence, gone. This is who Jenna always was, before she was distorted by the fear and pain and craziness of growing up with a father like Jennifer's. This is Jenna, and it's so exciting to see her shine. But we still aren't done yet. I invite Jennifer to explain to Jenna that it's okay. She doesn't have to feel that way anymore. And what's really cool is that Jennifer then launches into basically telling Jenna, okay, Next time, I want you to get my attention when you're not comfortable or you're sensing that something's wrong with this situation, you need to let me know. And I included this part of what Jennifer said just because some of it's kind of funny about what she tells Jenna that she can do. I recognize you've been trying to tell me these things and I haven't been able to hear you um, partly because I know you were confused and you didn't, you were still wondering what you'd done wrong and what you still had to do. And that as I grew up, I never released you from that. And we were just doing that together still. 
And so I want you to know you don't have to feel like that. But if you ever start feeling like that, I want you to really, really, really tell me. I want you to kick me in the shins. I want you to punch me in the stomach. I want you to <clears throat> do anything. I just conk me in the head. I just want you, if you have a feeling like that, don't sit around wondering and trying not to cry. Just tell me because you might feel it before I do. So I want to know when you're not happy and when you're not comfortable or when you're scared. I don't want you to ever have to feel like that. If you start feeling like that, I want you to tell me right away, whatever way you need to get my attention. I want to know. How did she react to that or respond to that? To hearing she's, cock she's cocking her head at me like, really? <laughs> like, are you sure about that? Are you really want me to kick you in the shins? Are you really? Is that, is that what you're saying? I think okay, I think it would be nice if you would start in some identifiable like like safe word. Let's think of like a safe word, Jenna. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the pink flag, you know, if it's if there's a pink flag and you're seeing it's going to be a red one, just wave it in front of me a little bit more clearly. Just let me know in whatever way you need to for me to hear you. That's it. That's it. Whatever way you need to do it in order for me to hear you is what I want you to do. She's like, well, yeah, fine, that works. Okay, yeah, that, that, yeah, duh, that works. That's where she's at, like, okay, okay. that works fine. Good. I Good. want her to be empowered. I want her to yes. be empowered to use any means necessary. She wasn't empowered then. She wasn't yeah. empowered to stand up for herself. She wasn't empowered to leave a room. She wasn't empowered to say, you need to help me. She wasn't empowered to call mom anyway. She wasn't empowered to do any of those things. Okay. She, she wasn't empowered to do those things. She just, I mean, even physical pain, she wouldn't stand up for herself. And I want to empower her to be bold if that's what it takes for me to hear her. And she's kind of interested in saying like, huh, I wonder how that's going to work. I wonder what it'll, like, like what are ways? She's already thinking like, so, okay, so what are some ways that I could let her know? Hmm. She's like contemplating. She's already thinking like, huh, what are we going to be some ways? Like, what are the circumstances that might require different ways? So she's creating an arsenal. Is what she's Great. doing. Good. And how do you feel about this? I'm like, wow, it actually feels pretty good because Jen, Jennifer, is feeling kind of exhausted and not feeling as confident as, as she is now. So I'm glad that she's kind of on, on the job a little bit so that um, she can help me along until it becomes easier and easier for me to be the nope, nope. Yes. Hell no, fucking nope. Yes. And then we'll just be a team, she and I, we'll be all integrated and we'll be peachy. Yeah. So you all are working together now as a team. Yeah, I wrote on it, building my arsenal of love. <laughs> ah, I love it. I just have to say, I thought it was totally hilarious when Jennifer was like, I want you to kick me in the shins, you know. But I love what she also said. She goes, but the point is, I want her to feel empowered to let me know any way possible if something doesn't feel right to her. Because, as Jennifer explained, for decades, she didn't feel like she had the right to do that. So there's this beautiful permission giving between Jennifer and Jenna. And then also, I love how even Jennifer acknowledges, she's like, I'm really tired and unsure. But she sees in Jenna this moxie, this power, this security, this confidence that it's like, oh, good. Jenna can help me start to recognize these things and help me start to make better choices. 
So it's a fantastic, as she said, they're like a fantastic team now working together to help Jennifer have the healthiest, most empowering and loving relationships she possibly can. In the final moments of our session, Jennifer has a wonderful realization about her own unbreakable power to love and also the compassion she has for her father. Do you know what's interesting? I had an awareness. I realized that no matter how difficult or how punishing, how difficult people made it for me to love and how punishing they made it for me to love, they could never stop me from loving. And they could have. That could have worked and it didn't work. I mean, I'm bitter, but I'm not like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sure. (laughs) You're bitter, but you know, it's okay. I mean, mean, like like as one is. But they weren't able to stop me from loving. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. they didn't break my capacity to love. I yes. mean, in fact, maybe the fact that I had to work so hard, maybe is what made me build that muscle and that becomes a superpower because I just had to find sources. Like, you have to soak it in from all the other places. And I guess I just started soaking in like osmosis from all the other beautiful ways that love and beauty is around me. And so maybe that's why it happened because I had to exercise that muscle. Yeah. And like with my father's and the the thing that I've learned from him, having not spoken to him, my, my birth on my 50th birthday, uh, I stopped speaking with him, but I can love my father because I've done the compassion work around him. And I have a great deal of compassion for him and how he got there. I met, I, I've met his parents. (laughs) Oh God. I mean, they're my grandparents, right? But I have compassion for how he is the way he is. And he's a pain. It's just so painful when I put myself in his shoes. But I have compassion about that. I just don't need it in my orbit. Yes. I don't I don't yes. have to engage with him. And he. they send me cards. They try to engage still like police narcissists. Get the point. This is killing you because you're a narcissist and I'm not engaging. And that's just like the most painful. Yeah. But I'm not doing it. And so, but... But I have compassion and yes. he doesn't get to be in a position to be a father or any person that I take time to sit at a dinner table with anymore. Yes. One thing that I wasn't paying attention to in this last relationship was when words and actions don't add up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I, I feel like I, that those are really helpful. And um, she's quite happy. Mm-hmm. Jenna is happy. I mean, I've done inner child work and stuff, but just uh, establishing this is slightly different as her as an ally. Yes, exactly. She is healed now, and she's here to serve you. Um, I'm gonna have to go get my own ice cream because I know how she is about sharing. Okay. And then I think sit on the wall with her and put my arm around her. We're gonna eat ice cream and kick our heels on the brick together and watch the world go by. I love it. Yeah, love it. It'd be awesome. About a week after our session, I caught up with Jennifer to find out how she'd been feeling and if she'd noticed any changes. She said, you know, I'd been working on that relationship pattern for years, but that last narcissistic relationship and connecting with Jenna really helped me process and see things really fresh. She said, that's been quite powerful. She said, as a child, I had a very mature way of observing the things around me, but I just couldn't say it out loud. 
She said, now, if I start getting that niggling feeling in my belly, I can say, oh, that's that feeling. She said, the spell is broken on that last relationship. Now I'm like, you know, if I meet an interesting person today, I'm open to that. I'm not going to sit here and lick my wounds. I'm not going to be like, oh, I did it again. I'm not healed. I'm not going to let that stop me from experiencing something that is real. She said, I am integrating my past experience and current experience and preparing myself for the future. And that is my hope for all of us, that we not let the wounds of our past break our ability to love. We can heal those wounds and those defenses so that we can reclaim that love, that light, that passion, creativity, joy, power, and truth that is in all of us. And to use that light and truth to guide us into a brighter future than any of us ever imagined. You can see the drawings from this session at darklighttruth.com. If you enjoy Dark Light Truth, please give us a review and share about us on social media. We would love the support and it helps us have a bigger impact. If you want to learn how to draw out your own inner struggles, take our free 45-minute course at community.changelight.world. If you're interested in private sessions of the drawing out process with me, go to changelight.world forward slash coaching. If you'd like to receive training in the drawing out process, please contact me directly at emily at changelight.world. The drawing out process is not therapy, and I am not a licensed therapist. I developed this work myself, and I am its exclusive owner and guide. Whether you are a seeker or practitioner, please respect that this is my proprietary work, and it must be properly led in order for it to be fully effective. Do not try to do this process on your own. Thanks. So anyway, there's another different situation out there for me. Oh, yes. So if you know anybody, (laughs) anybody on this podcast, say, hey, this chick's kind of (laughs) cool. Oh, yeah, girl, daddy issues. She's my kind of girl. Wait, no, no. no. no, no. (laughs) I didn't expect this to be a matchmaking episode, but here we are, folks. (laughs)